If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 with me today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 will be in verses 19 through 23. Also invite you to take out, there's two cards in your bulletin this morning. You can take both of those out. We'll come across both of those at some point in the message today too. It's a big emphasis on uh, these days, I don't know if you've noticed it as I have, on local. Uh, all kinds of emphasis on local, especially eating local. Uh, I, you know, I, we didn't talk that much about it, I don't think, 20 or 30 years ago, but there's a lot of talk these days about becoming more local uh, instead of so much global. How many of you have been to a restaurant that advertises itself as farm-to-table restaurant, right? This, this idea that we grow everything local, that we eat it local, and that it's healthier when we do that, and it's better, you know, overall for the environment and everything else like that. You know, this, there's this emphasis on this. It's very trendy to be local right now in a lot of ways. There's terms that you may have learned recently that you never had any uh, knowledge of because of all this trend of eating local. I didn't know what a GMO was. You know, does anyone know what a GMO is? G- yeah, we know, yeah, a couple of GMO, right? So ask someone with their hand raised uh, what a GMO is. I didn't know what a GMO was a year ago, probably even a month ago. I didn't know what a GMO was. Uh, and now, now I'm supposed to be very aware of GMOs. Uh, I didn't know that I'm not supposed to be eating, B- uh, taking in BHPs. I am supposed to be eating from a CSA. Um, and... All these things about how to be more local. Uh, It's interesting to me in the church that for as global as the church is, it's really local. It really has always been a local movement. You know, Jesus, when he founded the church, he said that you'll go into all the world for my sake. But really, what going into all the world results in is local communities of Jesus Christ. We like local in New England, right? We like local in the area that we live. If you moved here from another part of the country, the uh, parochial nature and the localness of our culture may have surprised you. You moved to a town. Uh, maybe it's, you know, these towns, anywhere from 5,000 to 50,000, 60,000 people. And every little town has its own police department, its own fire department, its own government, its own school system. You know, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, but that's the way we operate, right? And that was, that's not always the case in other parts of the country. My wife uh, moved here from Albuquerque, and it was very different there. In Albuquerque, everything was under the city of Albuquerque. You know, it was one city that, that absorbed everything. The Albuquerque Fire Department, Albuquerque Police Department, Albuquerque School System, and that was it. But she came here, and, and she was amazed. She's like, I drove through 10 towns on my way to work. You know, all these sounds, welcome to, welcome to, welcome to. And we have a very local nature to our culture. And that's fitting for the gospel, because the gospel and the church is a local venture. And I want to take these next couple of Sundays to talk about the local responsibility of the local church. You know, every October, we take three Sundays and two weeks to focus on our global responsibility. Every October, we take uh, three Sundays and two weeks to focus on the responsibility we have for global outreach. And it is important. Jesus said to go out into all the world. And one of the things we're passionate about, Mount Hope, is getting the message of Jesus out to anyone who hasn't heard. So our global outreach emphasis in October has a heavy emphasis on if there's a people group, a tribe, a nation, a place in the world where they don't have access to the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel, we want to be a part of helping them get access to it. We want to be a part of taking the message of Jesus Christ to those places who haven't heard. And so every October, we'll focus on that, and you will hear us focus on that. And we are unashamed about that. That is our focus. That is a mission that we feel like we have. And so we will do that. Uh, And we will have that emphasis on that. But we also have a responsibility as a local church to the community here in Burlington and the surrounding towns. Jesus has put you and this church 
here at this moment for a reason. You know, we do have a responsibility to get the gospel out, but we also have a primary responsibility to reach people right here who are our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, family members. It shouldn't be that other nations have to send missionaries here to reach our culture, and yet they're doing that. Nations like Brazil, South Korea, you know, these nations who at one point were nations where the gospel wasn't, you know, very well represented are now sending nations, and many of them are sending missionaries to the least reached part of the United States, New England. And part of our responsibility as the local church is to reach out to the community and the culture around us. And so just like we take some Sundays in October for global outreach, I want to take a couple of Sundays in June to talk about local outreach. I, I came up with the little acronym GOLO. When I did that, I was not aware of this expression YOLO. Um, someone has made me aware of that expression since then. They're like, oh, is that a play on YOLO? I'm like, don't, you mean YOHO? I mean, I, I, don't even know what you're I don't even know what you're talking about. Apparently, you know, YOLO means you only live once. I didn't know that. Uh, I guess I'm not as tech savvy as some, but it has nothing to do with that. GOLO simply means global outreach and local outreach. We have a priority of both. We have the responsibility to be focused on both here at Mount Hope. So I want to take a couple Sundays. I'm going to pause from our Mark Sunday, uh, our Mark series for these two weeks. Uh, we'll pick it up again on June 15th in three weeks. We'll pick up the Mark series. Uh, but I want to pause and take a couple Sundays and look at our responsibility for local outreach and especially look at uh, it in regards to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and we'll read verses 19 to 23. Paul is talking about his responsibility of outreach, his responsibility of reaching the people around him and what he's willing to do to see people come to Jesus. And this is what he says in verses 19 to 23. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. Here's the key verse I want to focus on this morning. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Let me read that second half of verse 22 again. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. In that little phrase, you have the purpose that Paul feels that he's here for, that by all possible means he might save some. Now what Paul is not talking about in this verse, let me just clear this up. Some of you read that and you hear that and you say, wow, it sounds like Paul's really wishy-washy, compromising all over the place, you know, becoming one thing in one place. He's like a chameleon in another thing in another place. Paul's not talking about compromising on the moral law of God or anything like that. You know, the moral law, we'd say, you know, the Ten Commandments, those things that are true for all people all the time, everywhere, that moral law. What Paul is talking about with this, all this talk about the law, is this ceremonial law, the sacrificial law, the one the Jews followed that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And Paul knew, I'm no longer under that law. I'm not bound by it in any way. But if the only way I can talk to the Jewish people is by following some of their practices and that will give me a hearing with them, then I'll do it. It's not sin for me. I don't have to do it, but I'll do it so that they might, I might gain a hearing with them. And Paul does that. In fact, throughout the scriptures, you see Paul take punishment from the Jews. Five times he received 39 lashes of a whip. If Paul would have just walked away from the synagogue and said, you know what, I'm no longer a Jew, they wouldn't have bothered with him. 
but he was still claiming to be a Jew because he still wanted to have an influence and a voice into that. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. But on the other side, there were the Gentiles in Paul's day. They were people, they didn't live under the Jewish law. They weren't Jewish people. And Paul said, look, when I'm with them, it's no sin for me. I'm not under the ceremonial law. I'll live like they live so that I might win a hearing with them. I'll take away every stumbling block that could possibly be put in the way so that I might win some people for Christ. He says, by all possible means. And so these two parts of this phrase this morning are just what I want us to look at. By all means possible that I might save some. And the first part is you and I, if we ask ourselves the question, are we using all means possible to reach some? Are you utilizing your life? Am I utilizing my life? All the means we have, is it a priority that we would be able to share the gospel of Jesus with some? It was for Paul. In fact, there's one instance in Paul's life where he was in prison. He and Silas were in prison. The book of Acts chapter 16 tells us. They were in prison. They were chained to a wall. Dark, dingy, Whatever your idea of prison is today, it wasn't anywhere nice like that. And those aren't nice. And this is, this is just, you know, think rats, think no, no care, anything. He's chained in this prison. And then they're singing songs of worship. And as they're singing songs of worship, an earthquake happens. The Bible says the chains fall off, the doors swing open. And what would you do? Right. He'd walk out and run, right? Paul thinks otherwise because there's a Philippian jailer, the man from Philippi who's a jailer. He's there, and he knows what's going to happen. He comes back. The doors are open. The chains have fallen off. His assumption is the prisoners have run away. It's going to be my life for theirs because they were my responsibility. He takes his sword out in an attempt to take his own life. Paul says, don't do it. Cries out in the dark. He says, don't do it. We're all still here. We didn't run. We didn't walk away. Why? You would have run. I would have run. Why didn't Paul run? Because by all means possible that he might save some. He shared Jesus with that Philippian jailer. He went back to his house. His whole family got saved. His whole family got baptized. And Paul's priority was not his own safety, was not his own comfort, was not even his own life. His priority was, here's someone who's going to enter into eternity without knowing Christ, and I can do something about it. And if it means me staying in prison longer, if it means me going to trial, this guy's life is worth it. This guy's eternity is worth it. Here's a man who lived what he said he lived. By all means possible that I might save some. And so the question becomes is what are the means that God has given you? And are you and I using all means possible to save some? Are there places where God has given you an opportunity to be near to people that are distant from him? Are there places where God has put you to be near to people that are distant from God, where you work, where you go to school, where you live, where you shop, people who are distant from God but near to you, and God has given you the opportunity to share with them. And you say, well, well how do I do that? What's the, you know, how do I open that door? And, and you pray first, right? You pray for an open door. You pray for an opportunity to share with them. I, I heard one pastor recently, Matt Chandler, who pastors the Village Church uh, in Dallas, and he's someone I like to listen to his sermons. He was talking about when someone first shared Jesus with him, and he said it went like this. Well, not first. He had heard the message before, but one key time when somebody shared Jesus with him. He said he was in a, a football locker room, and one of the guys in the football team everybody knew was a, was a Christian. And so he happened to be uh, near this guy one time, and uh, you know, the guy brought up the fact, or Matt brought up the fact that, you know, he already was a Christian. The guy said, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, so we're going to have to have the Jesus talk sometime. We can do it now, or we can do it someplace else, but we're going to have this talk, so just let me know what you want to do. And Matt said, you know, I've started to use that with people. 
You know, that's, that's the way, you know, why should it be? He said, you know, people find out I'm a pastor, and they say, yeah, uh, yeah, I am a pastor, so this is how it's going to be. We're going to have to have the Jesus talk sometime. So we can do it here in front of all these people, or we can do it another time, but we're, we're going to do this. We're going to have this talk about Jesus. And I thought, what a, what a great approach. Why not? People find out you're a Christian. They find out, you know, they find out where you are on Sunday mornings. They find, they, they find out why you've left your driveway when everyone else is mowing their lawns. And why not say, you know, yep, I'm going to church. I love Jesus, and we're going to have to have this conversation sometime. So we can have it now. We can have it here. I can tell you about it, you know, or we can have it later, but we're going to have to have this conversation. We're going to have to have this talk. And you may, you know, you may like it. You may, you may think it's, you know, you may reject it totally, but all I've got to do is have the talk with you. I don't have to do anything. That's, that's, that's the end of my responsibility. But we're going to have to have this talk at some point. And I thought, what an awesome open door. Just, you know, just why not? Why not just say, look, we're just going to have to have this conversation at some point. We can do it now or we can do it later. But by all means possible, what are, what are the means that we have about us to reach people for him? You know, individually and then corporately. We have to think about it from a corporate perspective, from a church perspective. You know, why have a cafe in your church? Look, when I grew up in the church... You talk 20, 30 years ago, or when, when maybe when you, if you've grown up in the church, some of the pastors I knew, if they heard you were putting a coffee bar in the church, anything that had the word bar at the end of it, you better not be putting up a gymnastics bar, a coffee bar, any bar. They'd be turning over in their grave. But why build a cafe? Why, why, put, a, why, why put something like that in the church? One reason, we, there's a lot of reasons for it, but one reason we thought is there might be some people that'll come and listen to a message in a cafe drinking a cup of coffee that won't walk into a sanctuary. And so why not create a space where they can come and hear the gospel and hear the message, where they can come and hear it in a way, hear the truth in a place where they'll listen. See, our our main goal is to not put obstacles in the way of people hearing the message. Our main goal, we want to remove as many obstacles as we can. We will not abandon the moral law. We will not abandon or compromise in any way our beliefs or our commitment to Christ. But we will remove as many obstacles as we can, as many man-made obstacles as we can from someone hearing the message of Jesus. And I hope that you're on board with that because that's who we're going to be. We're going to do as best we can to remove as many obstacles as we can. Paul said the same thing. He's like, look, God's law, I've got to keep that. Moral law, I'm under that. No problem. But man-made laws, I don't have to honor that. And we're going to try and remove as many of those as we can so that people can hear the message. I remember hearing one pastor one day, he said to me, and look, this is just people think about it different ways, right? He said to me, I hope I die before they let coffee in the sanctuary. I thought, well, there's one way of looking at it. Uh, we have different perspectives. My coffee's underneath my chair there today, and, uh, you know, maybe yours is too, but it's just not that big a deal to me. It's just not that big a deal. My big deal is will people hear the gospel? Will people hear the message? And what is it? We'll do, any, we'll do whatever it takes to help people to hear the gospel and to hear the message. And so we'll try and remove as many obstacles as we can to do that. And sometimes we need to be stretched. Somebody stretched me this week. They sent me an email, and they said, I got this idea for a, a, a fitness class where we'd stream the service live, and they can work out and listen to the message. And I said, well, that's a stretch. I, I emailed back. I said, I got to think about that one. I, I, I want to be stretched, but there's something to me about Sabbath and worship. and not. I, I said, I don't know. I got I to think about that one. But I said, but I love the idea. I love the thought. I love the creativity. I love the thinking about, look, let's think about ways that people can hear the gospel because I don't want to put any obstacle in the way and I want to remove as many obstacles as possible from someone hearing the gospel. Someone a couple weeks ago stretched me. They said, I go up to Laconia every year to Biker Week to tell people about Jesus at Biker Week and we should get a group of people to do that. And I thought that's a special group of people to be able to go up to Laconia and engage those bikers. But why not? Somebody should. Jesus said, I came for the sick, right? It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. And so he would go to the places that other people wouldn't go and that weren't respectable and that people would say, why is your rabbi there? And that's where Jesus would be. By all means, by all means possible, that I might save some. 
And so what are the means God has put at your disposal? A few years ago, I realized that one of the barriers for me in reaching people was I just don't know any non-Christians. It's a hazard of my job. I mean, it's the reality, right? I mean, I, it's just my job puts me around Christians a lot. You know, during the week, in the evenings, on weekends, I spend a lot of my time around people who confess and profess Christ and are already Christians. And I thought, how am I going to reach people that don't know Christ if I don't know anyone? Rick Warren said, you only win your friends to Jesus. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. There are some people who God may bring across your path and providentially you may meet them and it may be at a restaurant or a store or someplace and you may have, be at that one exact moment and God has put you there for that moment to take them across the line and to lead them to Jesus after all the work that's been done before you. May, there are times where you will be brought across, brought into that moment. But I would guess that most of us sitting here today are here because somebody who cared about you told you about Jesus. A friend a family member, a co-worker, somebody who cared about you brought you to church, somebody who cared about you invited you out to something, somebody who cared about you told you about Jesus. So I thought if you can only win your friends to Jesus, I better find some non-Christian friends. And so, you know, I looked around and my neighbor for years had been asking me to play at a, a golf league. And I thought, this is the way to go. I like golf. I haven't played enough golf. I don't think I've ever played enough golf. So I thought, you know, this might be the way to go. And so I signed up. I said, sure. I'll go with you. I'll sign up. And I, I, I said, I don't have a partner. Just put me with anybody. And so somebody gets stuck with the pastor all golf season. <laughs> but we had a good time. And, and every week, you know, we, we'd play as a team. And then every week we'd play two other people in the league. And, and, and we'd, uh, we'd you know, play nine holes and be stuck with, you know, these two guys and we'd have a good time and then afterwards we'd uh, sit in the clubhouse and get some food and talk and, and, and we'd hang out with these guys and it was great and I got to know them and they, they knew I was a pastor and some of them had fun with that. You know, they'd call me Rev or ask for a miracle on their golf shot and ask God to help them with their golf game. Some of them tried to bargain and say, you know, I've done this, can, I get, can this get me into heaven? You know, and they'd tell me what they did and you know, and some of them would apologize after they swear and some wouldn't and some would ask for permission before they drink or do other things on the golf course that, uh, that used to be legal in Massachusetts. Um, and, uh, and, you know, whatever, but that's, that's where they were with God. And I, I never got the chance to lead someone to Christ or bring them to church. I did get the chance to invite them to church and, and you know, tell them when they... You know, one of them's going through cancer that I'll be praying for you and things like that. And just looking for those bridge, looking for those opportunities. By all means, maybe you don't golf, but you do something. And I bet other people like to do it too. And I bet some of those other people don't know Jesus. It's one of the reasons we do connection groups at Mount Hope. Just to try and find ways to connect with people who don't know Jesus find ways to connect and cross paths with them and merge their life with them and do life together and be able to have an opportunity to share Christ with them by all means possible. But then there's this second part, Paul said, that I might save some. And I might save some. Paul's priority, he lived his life, he knew that he was left on this earth so that people would come to know Jesus and so are you and so am I. That's why we're here. You know, it's amazing to me that even sometimes it's atheists that recognize the priority that Christians should be putting on evangelism. Penn Jillette, I don't know if you know who Penn Jillette is, uh, he's the half of Penn and Teller that actually talks. Um, you know, they have this Las Vegas show with uh, magic or illusion and all that kind of stuff. And Penn is also known as a pretty well-known atheist. But he was talking about one time when a guy gave him a Bible and someone had asked him something to the extent of, was he offended that this man had given him a Bible? And Penn's response was this. He said, I've always said, you know, that I don't respect people who do not proselytize. He says, I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever... And you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. 
that atheists might say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself. He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize them? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming to hit you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you and this is more important than that. There's an atheist saying that, look, if you believe this, of course you're going to be telling people. Of course you're going to be doing everything you can to share this message of hope with people. And some people will reject it, and some people will say no, because Paul said, I do all this by all means that I might save some. Paul was a pretty ambitious guy, but even he didn't say all. Paul was, you know, he he was a church planner. He He had a mission, but even he didn't say all. He knew there would be some that would say no. And he also knew that he wasn't the one solely responsible for building the church. And as much as we have a local responsibility here, we're not solely responsible either for building up the kingdom of God. I am grateful for the partners that God has given to us locally to build up the kingdom of God. You know, we're a part of the Assemblies of God, and I am grateful for the Assemblies of God churches locally that are serving and accomplishing a mission, and doing everything they can, by all means possible, to reach some. And some people ask, someone in the membership class last week asked a great question. They said, where does the Assemblies of God fit into all this Protestant, where where does that that all fit? And so I went, I said, let me take it from largest to smallest, and, and kind of put it in perspective, because some of you might have the same question too, right? And I'd say, we are Protestant, You know, we're a Protestant church. We believe in salvation through Jesus Christ. We don't have to have priests. We don't have to have sacraments. We're Protestant. We're evangelical. We believe that it's our responsibility to share and to tell people about Jesus. We're charismatic. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that God still heals and speaks and moves today. We're Pentecostal. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God empowers for ministry. And then is the Assemblies of God part. We're part of a cooperative fellowship of churches who have committed to one another to carry out this mission in the world. Assemblies of God, in, in, that, in those buckets, it's the smallest bucket, but it's the largest Pentecostal organization in the world, 66 million believers worldwide and growing. These are the AG churches, Assemblies of God churches that are in our northeast Massachusetts section. We're a part of what's called the Southern New England Ministry Network, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. That area is broken up into sections. We're in the Northeast Mass section. Goes from about Gloucester uh, or Newburyport up to Newburyport in the north uh, down to we're kind of on the southern boundary uh, of, the, of the Northeast Mass section. But these are all the churches and their pastors. I won't go through them all this, this morning. I won't go through them all in this service. But these are the guys that are, you know, they're pastoring churches. They're doing ministry. They're doing things that they can, all that they can to reach people for Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear when we look at this list. And please hear me clearly. This is not our competition. This is not Mount Hope's competition. We're not Walmart and their target. That's not it. Right? I mean, this is, the, so, so don't ever consider or think that way. These are people who are laboring in the same field to reach people for Jesus. Our competition is the enemy that comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy the souls of men and women. That's the competition. These are our partners. And so we pray for them. We work together with them. We want to see them build up their kingdom. We want to see their churches grow. There are 11 and a half million souls in the southern New England district, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and, New, and uh, Rhode Island. 11 and a half million. 35,000 of them are in Assemblies of God churches on a Sunday morning. It's Pastor Tim Schmidt at Calvary. He says, I love it. He says, he says, there's enough fish to sink all our boats. There's plenty of chairs in here, but there's more people that can reach and fill them than we could handle. 
And so God sends revival. We keep saying God send revival. We ask God to send an awakening. It's going to overflow this place. We can't handle it. We need partners. We need people who are serving in the same field. God's, Jesus, when he was here, he said, look, the harvest is ripe. Pray that God would send workers. We need more workers. More workers in Burlington, more workers in Billerica, more workers in Wilmington, more workers in Bedford and Woburn. We need more workers. And so these are some of the workers. Here's some other workers. These ones aren't assemblies of God, but they're partners. These are people that are evangelical, trying to reach out to the gospel. Here's some in Burlington, Heritage Park Baptist, right down the street, Pastor Kurt. Talked to Pastor Kurt this week because his kids were here because he sends, he sends his grandkid to our school. Brady's been here in our school, and, and Pastor Kurt was here. I was talking to him about some of the things going on at Heritage Park Baptist. Revive Church in Burlington, Pastor Peter Dupree. I don't have his name up there. That's a new church, fairly new in Burlington, right down on Francis Wyman. Fellowship Bible Church just got a new pastor back in 2012, Pastor Dave Welsh. Uh, and his wife trying to uh, revive that church there. Christ Church, Pastor Tony Thompson down on Cambridge Street. Emmett Chapel is a, a Chinese congregation that meets at Fellowship Bible Church, Pastor T.K. Chung. And then there's some other guys that I meet with in prayer groups. First Tuesday of every month, I meet with a pastor's group, the Evangelical uh, Lexington Pastor's Group. And so the, from these churches... A Grace Chapel, Pastor Brian Wilkerson, of course, a great church there. Hope in, Ch- Hope in Winchester, Pastor Todd Cravens, Covenant in Arlington, All Saints in Belmont, Countryside in Lexington, First Baptist in Lexington. These are guys that I'll be praying with this Tuesday morning. We'll pray together. We'll pray for this church. I'll pray for their church. We'll pray for the kingdom of God to grow in New England because we need it and because we need each other and because this is not our competition. These are co-laborers and fellow laborers that are doing their best to reach out to people for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Paul said, I do, by all possible means, to win some. Why some? Because all are not going to respond positively and because you're not the only worker in the field. Paul knew that Barnabas was out there with Mark and Luke was out there and Silas was out there. Epaphroditus was out there. Priscilla and Aquila were out there. Paulus was out there. He wasn't the only one, but he wants to win some. And that's what God requires of us, right? When we send our global outreach partners around the world, we don't expect them to win all, right? We send Don Butera to Indonesia, and Don's going to come back, and we're going to say, Don, did you reach all of Indonesia? Man, because if you didn't, just get back there. You know, you, you just got to go back. You, did, you didn't, we, that's what we expect. Of course not. Our question is, Don, Are you using all the means that God has given you? And has God used you to win some? That's the only question. Has God used you to win some? Right? And that's God's question to us too. Mount Hope and Burlington. Are you using all the means I've given you to win some? You don't have to win them all. You gotta win some. And that's, what, that's the responsibility God has given to us. That's what we expect of our global outreach partners, right? Use all the means possible to win some. Let me spend uh, the last few minutes to talk about one tool that we have, a big tool that we have been focusing on the last year or so, one of the means to win some. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the Family Life Center. Believe it or not, it has been a year since we have made our last financial commitments to the Family Life Center, it is last June 9th that we made those commitments. A lot has happened in a year. Uh, it's been about seven months since we had our grand opening. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happened in those seven months, how God is using it, remind us why we did it and what's happening with it. You know, I, I can't yet stand up here and say, you know, last week, We baptized someone as a direct result of the Family Life Center. We didn't do that yet. But it's a process, right? We built it as a bridge. When it comes to sharing the gospel, there are some things that are quick and some that are long-term. Some that are inexpensive, some that are quite expensive, some that are... Uh, some that will happen, as I said, quick, and some that will be over a process. And the Family Life Center is an expensive tool. It's a long-term tool. But it's a tool. It's a bridge, to reach people for Jesus. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going going on in this last year, how it's been used strategically and how we are using it but as one of those means to reach some 
for the gospel. Because we're going to try some things. We're going we're to put some things out there with the sole intent of reaching people for Christ. You know, one of the reasons we do this is to try and speak the language of our culture around us. We have a school because one of the languages of our culture is Christian education, or is education in general, but Christian education is what we really focus on, but people want private school education. So we have a school, and it becomes the largest outreach of our church. I'll just tell you, there are more people at Mount Hope that came because of the school than any other single ministry, hands down. There are more people that came looking for an education for their child but found out what they really need is a church and a faith in Jesus to save their souls. And so we try and speak the language of our culture through education. Family Life Center is just another way to speak the language of our culture. Our culture is huge into sports. Our culture is huge into recreation. Our culture, and we think, well, hey, can we speak that language? Can we give a place where we can build a bridge to be able to help people come together, get in relationship with them, win an opportunity to share Jesus with them, and then see what God does from there? It's a bridge. It's a bridge. And so let me talk to you just a little bit about how we've been doing that and what's been going on in the last year. What we did when we built this building, we built it on leased land. Most of you probably know that, and that's quite a story, because we wanted to buy harvests. We didn't buy a building. God doesn't care if you own a building. We're going to get to heaven, and God's just going to say, you know, where's the title to your building? I don't think that's the question. We bought harvests. This is the first year of the harvest. In fact, we're only seven months in. We're only seven months into this harvest. We, we bought years of use out of this building so we could have a tool to reach people. So back in uh, October was our grand opening, and we had our grand opening, and we had a great day there uh, together, and pastor, the founding pastor of the church in the black suit there is Pastor Harvey Meplink. If, uh, if you don't know that, he, found, him and, uh, he and Gene Meplink founded this church in 1978. Pastor Bob Crosby pastored after him for 14 years um, and the rest of us were there during this grand opening on that day. We had a great day. Uh, the inside of the room looked like this. We celebrated together, and then it was filled with people. And it was a wonderful day for our grand opening celebration, October 27, 2013, just about seven months ago. It's a two-year process to getting this building come about. God brought us on a journey that I didn't expect us to go on. Most of you didn't expect us to go on, but God took us on. It was a journey of faith. When I look at that building out there, one, there's two images that come to mind. One, I see a bridge. Two, I see an altar. Because I see what God did to bring it about. That it was, only to, it, was, it was only when we hit our knees in prayer that God responded and answered and brought it about. When we tried to do it in our own wisdom and we thought, hey, we can make this happen. Hey, it'll be tough, a stretch, but we can do it. God said, when you rely upon me, then it will get done. God stretched and tested our faith. He moved in a mighty way. You know, we thought, well, we, we can, a million-dollar building, it's expensive, but we can, you know, maybe we can do that. We had faith for a million-dollar building. I believe God pretty much kind of said, well, you need a $2 million building, so, you know, you can start with that faith, but that's not what you're going to finish with because you're going to have to have bigger faith than that. And what you don't think you can do right now, you'll know by the end of this that I can do because that's what happened. Because we didn't do it. We didn't have the resources but God brought it about. And it was tough, and it was a journey, and there was a year when nothing happened outside on that site, and that was a tough year. You were, some of you were here. You drove in every Sunday, and you stared at an unfinished foundation and a falling over construction fence, and you wondered what was going on. And we were praying, and we were asking God, and he was moving. And the opening day was great. We auctioned off the first basket, and Sheila David... Uh, uh, won that auction, gave over $1,000, then went to Sylvia's Haven. What a great blessing that was. Then she gave the basket to Cameron Tomaselli, a graduate from Mount Hope Christian School that did what, what I couldn't have done. He swished that basket, nailed that thing uh, right through there. And uh, it, was, it was a great moment, great time, a celebration. It was a great blessing. And we celebrated what God had done. And the journey began. 
seven months. And in the last seven months, a lot of things have gone on. We had our Mount Hope Christian School Walkathon. It was also part of our grand opening. Our school families came about. We started and ended there. They had a great day of celebration, and our school families have really been blessed and, and benefited from the, uh, from the Family Life Center in a lot of ways. In December, Burlington Wish Tree. They had contacted us in October or November. They said, you know what? We lost our space that we used to distribute the gifts for the families in Burlington. Do you guys happen to have any space? Two months ago, my answer would have been no. We don't have any space. We're, we're maxed out. Sorry. Wish we could help, but we can't. And they came. We said, yeah, we got, we got a mezzanine space. It's about 2,000 square feet. No one's using it. Come on in. It's yours. We'll give you a key to the building. You can come. I wish I had all the, I wish I had taken the picture before the bags. Everything was in the bags because there are toys and bikes and all kinds of stuff for 90 families in Burlington that came and it was distributed out of that Family Life Center on the first or second week of December. They came here and they received those gifts and we were able to be a blessing to the town just by providing space. Just by providing space and being able to bless and be a part of our community. And they've already asked us for this year if they can have it. And we said, absolutely. Come, you know, do that. We'll do it. We'd love to do that. And those are the kinds of things that we built it for. And, oh, the volleyball connection group. So uh, I, I, I like volleyball, golf and volleyball. I, I enjoy volleyball too. So, so I thought, well, you know, let's, let's do a connection group around volleyball. And so we started that on Friday mornings at 7 o'clock. And we'd go and we'd play volleyball. And I, I tried to get some people out. And we, uh, we played, we got some guys out from the church. And then uh, some parents out from the school. And this one parent in particular was great. I didn't know him before we started playing volleyball together, but he loved playing volleyball. And, um, and, uh, and so we started playing together. And one of the teachers happened to see him playing and said, oh, what service do you go to at Mount Hope? Uh, and, and his response was, oh, I don't go to church at Mount Hope. I'm Hindu. I just come here to play volleyball. And, uh, and Pastor Rick prays, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'm just, just here to play volleyball. I never would have met him. I never would know his name. Never would have crossed his path. Never would have had a chance to stand in a circle and pray with him. But it's, it's, it's just a bridge. Just a bridge to try and get into a relationship with people and share life with them and pray for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. So some of the other things, we did vacation sports camp. So during February and April vacation, we opened our uh, building up to the town uh, to do vacation sports camp. So our, that gets advertised in the Burlington Recreation Flyer that gets mailed out to 10,000 people uh, quarterly for Burlington, and we don't pay anything for it. And that gets advertised, and they invite people to, to events that we're doing here at Mount Hope. And that's, that's been a great blessing as we started that this past year. And some of the other things we did, uh, a Burlington Men's Basketball League. You probably don't know any of those guys. Some of you that play basketball might. I don't know any of those guys. Just the Burlington uh, the team that won the uh, Burlington. I took this paper out of the Burlington, this picture out of the Burlington Union paper. But look where they're standing. In the Family Life Center, where they had the championship game, and the reporter from the Burlington Union came and covered the event. And they came to Mount Hope to cover their basketball game. And it's just a way to bless the community, just a way to get our, to be in the community, to cross paths with people in the community. And one of the things they get, Jim Gallo uh, who's one of our hosts, because we always have a host there uh, to host a group that's there from the outside. And Jim Gallo is one of our hosts. And he said, can we have something that we can give out to them? And so Pastor Brian said, yeah, let's put together a card. And we made up a card. And, and so this card here that you have in your bulletin is what's available. Jim hands it to some people, but for everybody, it's right on a rack, right when you leave the Family Life Center. This card's right there for them to take. It says, thank you for visiting. It says, you might wonder who we are. This is who we are. We're a church and we're a school and this is what we do and this is what we're about and we'd love to have you come and check us out. It's just a way to make a bridge, just a way to invite people who might otherwise we might not have a chance to invite and be in relationship with. So we had our all-church lunch there a couple months ago and we're gonna do more of these. Great space for fellowship, great space for building up the body of Christ so we had a great time there together, uh, spending time and building. And that's one of the reasons we built this too. And we're going to do, do those more throughout the year. I think the next one we got scheduled coming up in the summer. And we'll have another all-church lunch. And we'll just go from here right out to the Family Life Center. Build up one another. A chance for you to invite some people out too as well. 
We've had some other events there. We had the Passover Seder there in April during Holy Week. It was great to be able to uh, be able to host that in the Family Life Center. We had some guests out there. And then, of course, we had last month our Mother's Day tea, 270 ladies in a beautifully decorated tea room for an incredible event that Mother's Day Saturday. We've got a video from that. John, if you want to run the video, we'll run it without sound just so you can see some shots of that day, of what that day was like. Um, But what an incredible opportunity. Yes, we've had Mother's Day teas before, but not like this one. Not to the ability that we've, that that, that Alana and the Refresh team put on this year. Not to be able to hold the amount of women that we were able to minister to this past year. And so I asked uh, for a couple stories from the, uh, from the tea, and I asked for a couple stories of, of, uh, of what's, uh, you know, what's, what's happened uh, there. And uh, I got one story sent to me about a woman named Mabel. And, uh, and she said, Mabel is not a Christian. In fact, uh, Mabel's not a Christian. She was invited to the tea at the last minute. That's an important detail. Because if someone had been invited to the tea at the last minute last year, our answer would have had to have been no. We're already full. We can't take any more people. We don't have any more tables. We filled up the room. But we had a bigger space. We had the ability to say, yeah, sure. Come on, we'll make space for you. Mabel's not a Christian. She was invited to the tea at the last minute. Mabel took three trains from Boston in a bus to arrive at the tea after all that travel and walking from the bus stop, she showed up all dressed up with a big smile on her face. Interestingly, she was prominently, I don't know if you saw her, prominently focused in the video. She's in a white dress, smiling, clapping, and dancing. Pretty girl with long, dark hair from the Dominican Republic. Anyhow, Mabel was so moved by the talk that she was one of the girls who raised her hand at the end of the service to receive Jesus into her heart. As Providence would have it, uh, she got to spend some time um, with the speaker, Sherry Rose, who wanted to see Cambridge, and Mabel lives, lives near Harvard Square, so she showed her around Harvard Square and got to invest a little in her life, and uh, there's Pastor Brian and the butterflies, Caitlin and the butterflies. That was the highlight of the day for me. Caitlin, the, the butterflies didn't die. That was great. Um, either way, there was going to be a message in it. But what an incredible day, right? And at the end of that, I, I was so glad that I got to be there at the end of that lunch, because at the end of that tea, the speaker gave a very clear call to anyone that wanted to come to Jesus. And probably about 30 women raised their hand and said, yes, that I want to receive Jesus and I want to come to Jesus. And uh, about 30 women that night, that afternoon, raised their hand. And I got one story from another person in the church uh, who said, by far the best moment uh, in the FLC for us is when our friend who attended the Mother's Day tea responded to the altar call. Uh, My wife was nervous to invite her because of all our non-believing friends. We assumed that she was the furthest from accepting Christ. So not only did she attend the Mother's Day tea in the FLC, but she also raised her hand saying she wanted to give her heart to the Lord. Our prayer uh, is that would be the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus. So seven months in, We're just starting this journey. It's just the first year of the harvest, but God is already using it. God is already touching lives. God is already ministering. And there's more things that God wants to do. Some we know about, some we don't. And God's gonna do great things. There's some other things that have gone on in the Family Life Center. Mount uh, Mount Hope Christian School had their carnival. They've been able to have basketball games, which has been fun. We should put those in the bulletin if you guys have ever a chance to come out. Um, So they play other schools, and they actually uh, come out and play basketball. Uh, We got whooped by these girls from Everett. But it was fun (laughs) to be able to play for our school, to be able to play these other schools and and have a a basketball team at the school and be able to do that. So that that was great, great ministry to the parents as well. We had two Burlington men's basketball leagues that meet there. Uh, Burlington Youth Soccer came out on Sunday mor- Saturday mornings. They practice on Saturday mornings. Oracle, um, you may have heard of Oracle, a little company, a little employer in Burlington. Their sales team was looking for a place to play basketball. They rented it out Thursday nights. Yeah, and all these are rentals, by the way, so they're paying like the utilities and stuff like that, uh, which has been great, um, you know, real help for us. We've got an income for the utilities and all that to offset the building. It's great. So the Oracle sales team rented out the building and they played basketball Thursday nights. Mass Elite AAU basketball rents it out on Thursday nights. Friday night we have our youth ministry in there. 
Um, it's great to be able to have the kids in there, have a place to go. Wednesday nights, we have women's exercise group and Royal Rangers and girls' ministries in there. The building is getting used. It's getting utilized. It'll get used more. But it's just a tool. It's just a bridge that God is using to help us reach people for him. And so I wanted to give you that report and let you know exactly what's going on. I think it's exciting. You know, we stepped out in faith. We did this thing that, you know, may have seemed a, a little bit different, a little bit crazy. But most things that God asks us to are kind of going to be like that, I think. There's a statement that hangs on the wall in my office um, that I took from the wall of Andy Stanley's office, that he took from the wall of Craig Rochelle's office, I think. But anyway, the statement says, to reach people no one else is reaching, we've got to do things that no one else is doing. There's people out there that aren't being reached with the gospel, and we've got to try some things. We've got to try doing some things and remove some obstacles and try doing some things by all means possible to reach some for Jesus. And that's what we're doing with the Family Life Center. So now that I've told you how it's being used, let me talk to you about the other card in your bulletin for a moment. There's this card, the commitment card, and I'm going to ask our uh, worship team to come back. I know we're just about more than out of time. But let me talk to you for a second about this card. It's been a year, like I said, since we've made our financial commitments to the FLC and the way I told you last year we'd handle it. We're going to hand you it on an annual basis. We're not going to do three-year campaigns, four-year campaigns. We're just going to do one-year commitments to the Family Life Center as God enables you to give, to pay off the, the, the note and move on to whatever God has next. And so we're just doing one-year commitments. Believe it or not, it's been a year. June 9th was the last year we made our commitments. So let me tell you how that went. Our goal has been... $100,000 a year to chunk down the, the note uh, at $100,000 a year. Um, the, the amount on the building, the building ended up costing a little over $1.8 million, uh, just north of about $1.8 million when it came in. Uh, $600,000 of that we infused our own cash into. You guys gave generously. We were able to pay that down and invest $600,000 of cash right up front, so that takes it down to one point two. And then the town of Burlington, if you haven't heard this story, you need to hear it sometime, but I'm not going to take the whole time to tell it now. But the town of Burlington, we went to them and we said, hey, can we put some of our lease payments, instead of giving them to you as the town of Burlington, can we put them towards this building we're building? And, uh, and they said, no, 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 no. And then one meeting, they said yes. And uh, God moved on the king's hearts, the leader's hearts, and they said Yes. And so we took three years of lease payments, uh, $300,000, uh, and put them towards that building. And I think those go through about this June um, that uh, we'll have put $300,000 that normally would have gone to the town of Burlington but went towards that building. So that takes it from $1.2 uh, down to $900,000. So we get 900000 left, and we want to just chunk that thing down as quick as possible. So my goal and our goal is, as a board has been 100000 a year. We can do that, 100000 a year. We'll send that out as soon as, and, and we'll pay that thing down and we'll move on from it. Um, so last year we made commitments and I'm happy to tell you that as of our board meeting last Tuesday night, right around $95,000 has come in in the last year for the Family Life Center. Now I'll tell you what my desire was. And our board members know this. This was my desire. My desire was to come up here on this Sunday morning and to write out a $100,000 check to Cambridge Savings Bank and to stick it in the mail and send it off and be done with that $100,000. We didn't quite get there, but this is what the board said. We talked about it last, uh, this past week, and we said, let's do this. Anytime $100,000 comes in, no matter what time of year it is, we'll just, on that Sunday, we'll celebrate it, we'll let the church know, we'll let you guys know, hey, the money came in, it's going out, it's going down to pay the loan. And part of the reason that $100,000 number is, is because we put in our loan agreement with the bank that if we would pay $100,000 of principal in a year, they will re-amortize the loan. And so that re-amortizes the interest and how much we have to put out every year in that. So what we've said as a board, our operational budget will handle the interest from our operational budget. We will budget in the interest every year from our operational budget and then the money that comes in, we're going to chunk down principal on, on this loan. And so that's our goal. And so when 100000 comes in, when we cross that threshold later this month or next month, um, we'll let you know. 
Uh, we'll probably be a little over 100,000 because Bernie gets nervous when we draw that account all the way down. Um, so we'll probably wait till it gets a little over 100,000 so Bernie doesn't have a heart attack. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll do that and then we'll let you know. Hey, 100,000 came in. We're sending it out. You've given. It's going out. We're going to get this thing done and pay it off as the Lord allows. And so that's what, that's what we want to do. And that's what I'm asking you to consider on this card uh, this morning uh, that, you would, uh, that you would be willing to do that. Um, you know the math. I don't have to do it for you. Um, you can figure it out in your head, right? If 100 families you know, do $1,000, there it is. If 50 families do 2,000, there it is. But not everyone can do that amount. I understand that. Maybe you can do $10 um, a month. Maybe you can do something more. Maybe you can do more than 1,000, more than 2,000. You know that and the Lord knows that. I don't. But I'm just asking you to ask the Lord what he would have you give. It's three words that are in my mind when I think about giving. Sacrificial, generous, and joyful. Those three things need to characterize our giving. If we're going to give as Christ wants us to give, we've got to give sacrificially. We've got to give generously. But it's got to be joyfully. Don't do this out of obligation. Don't do it for me. Don't do it because I'm asking. Do it because the Lord is moving on your heart. Do it because to be a part of, by all means possible, reaching some. And that's what this is about. We don't want to have to take more money from our operational budget. We want to keep that money going towards ministry. We want to be able to give. Uh, we want to be able to give and keep money going towards ministry. But we want to see this tool continually be used. And I want to stand here next year and tell you here's the list of stories from this past year. Here's the lives that have been touched. Here's the changes that have been made. And maybe even next year I can say here's the baptisms. Because I believe God is going to continue to use this, continue to help us cross that bridge. And so there's three things on here. I want to ask you to pray. Pray that God will use the Family Life Center in all means possible to reach people for Jesus. Pray for the bridge. Pray that asking the... Uh, um, commit to asking the Lord regularly in prayer for ways that he can use me to reach the people near to me but distant from God. And then generously and joyfully giving a gift of whatever that amount the Lord lays on your heart to support the Family Life Center given on the following schedule. You can give monthly, quarterly, annually. Whatever God is able and enabled you to do. I'm going to ask, uh, there's a couple baskets, I think, if we've got those guys, bring those up. This will be our concluding call today. This is our response to God's word. We respond in worship, in song. We are living sacrifices for God. And so I'm going to ask that you'll take a few moments to, to read through this, to pray through this, to complete it. If you need pens, there's ushers that have pens. You can lift your hand. I'm sure they can, if they don't have them, they'll find them. Uh, they'll find a pen for you. And you can complete this. And then after you complete it, come as your gift. Lay it on the altar. Put it in these baskets. And then, um, and then go back to your seat and stand, and we'll close out our service and worship. I'll let you know about commitments. Maybe you're new to commitments at Mount Hope, these kind of commitments. Um, two things. One, you know, our bookkeeper sees them. Uh, I may see them, but we don't, they're not publicized or anything like that. Um, they're kept confidential. And you won't get a follow-up letter asking and following. This is between you and the Lord. It's between you and God. This is your faith step. It's between you and him. And so you're not going to get a letter from me uh, saying, hey, you pledged this amount. We haven't received it yet. It's not, it's not how we work. Um, you just complete this between you and the Lord. And as you make that commitment before him, um, we'll trust that he'll enable you to be able to complete and keep that commitment. I'm going to pray, but let me tell you one last thing before I pray because this is the last chance I have to speak to you today. When we started the Family Life Center campaign, I, I think the expression I used was this. This is the next step, not the final step. This is the next step, not the final step. And I really believe that. The Family Life Center was the next step, but it wasn't the final step. Next Sunday, I really want to share, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you about what I think the next step is. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be a stretch it's going to be a stretch for us as a church. It's going to be something that God has not asked us or enabled us to do before. But 
I think it's part of our local outreach, and it's a step that God is opening a door and leading us towards. And so I'm excited to share that with you next week, and I encourage you, please be here um, as we talk about more opportunities for local outreach. Um, This was the next step, and we're going to get this thing done, and we're going to get it paid off, and the Lord's going to pay it off, um, and then we're going to move on to, uh, to what the Lord has next. Father, thank you. Thank you for how you have built that building and how, Lord, you are not concerned about building a building. You were concerned about building a church. And so I thank you for the faith that you have built up in our hearts through that story and through the way you have provided. I thank you for the way that you continue to use it. And I pray for the hundreds of people that come through the doors of that building. Lord, I pray that you would build faith in their hearts. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And I ask that you would use us that rub shoulders with them and and, and talk with them. Use us, Lord, to be able to have that Jesus talk, to share with them, to share hope, and to share Jesus with them. Father, that you would take them from perhaps a basketball game in a building to a conversation, to a church, to a relationship with Jesus to heaven. Lord, we just want to be a part of that path. And we pray that you would allow us to do that. And so thank you, Lord, as we make our commitments today, we ask that you would lead us, help us to do it generously, sacrificially, and joyfully for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As you make your commitments, you can lay them on the altar and we'll close out our service and worship.